praise the Lord. Right, this is my fifth week talking about the gospel. Today I want to focus on a part of the gospel that is not popularly taught or a dimension of the gospel that is not popularly taught. And when I say dimension of it, I mean an approach, a perspective of the gospel that is not properly uh, popularly taught. And this, this perspective to the gospel is focused on teaching the gospel to the believer. Teaching the gospel to the believer. Popularly, many people believe that the gospel is taught to the unsaved. So, we are asked to go out and preach the gospel. Jesus asks us to go and preach the gospel. Except we understand what the gospel really means. In our mind, we can be so focused on the people that are outside. People who are not saved. People who are not members of the family, of the church family. Members of the body of Christ. We can be so focused on them, forgetting that we, who are members of the household of God, need to continue to increase in our knowledge and understanding of what the gospel is. And we need to continue to remind ourselves about the truth of the gospel for many benefits, among which is to experience our transformation in Christ Jesus. And when I say transformation, if we go to the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you know, verse 1 tells us that uh, we should offer our body as a living sacrifice unto the Father, holy and acceptable unto him. And verse 2 says that we should, we should not conform to this word any longer, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind, changing the way we think. Changing the way we see things. The Bible is telling us that until we begin to change how we think, until we begin to align our thought, how we look at life, how we look at situation, how we look at, at marriage, until we begin to align our thoughts, our imaginations, our perspective, our philosophy, until we begin to align them with the gospel, we will not experience transformation. So I'll put it this way. The level of transformation the believer experiences in their life is proportional to the, how much they know the gospel, how much they are able to apply the gospel in their life. If that's a sounding Greek, let's get into it. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, to see what uh, my great, great, great uncle, uh, Rapport, says about the gospel. Romans 1, is it? 16. Okay, you can help me out. All right. Uh, the media team wants to seize my drink. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I guess it's, this, it's, it's, um, it's not making the, the video look good. Right, guys. You know, having my wife as a media director in this ministry is a blessing to you guys. So if you see all our videos, you see them, they are sparkling. You know, it's because someone is saying to me, that doesn't look good. Even though sometimes I'm like, can we just rule this thing out? Because I'm tired. And um, when I, by the anointing and the help of the Holy Ghost, then apply the changes to it, then it comes out shining. Amen. So um, I'm about to say something that I'm going to get me into trouble uh, with single people. Amen. Watch out for my podcast. Singles, I'm coming. Praise the Lord. So back to Romans 1.16. So thanks, babe. Uh, the Bible says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, for everyone who believes, not for someone. And Paul did not say here that for um, 
it didn't say here for unbelievers only. You know, when I slow down this way and I try to I try to process my thoughts so that I don't give you something that you hang on to and you run you run off with it. So let's process this properly. And I'm gonna take us to previous uh preceding verses, and then this is gonna fuse together. Let's look at this again. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, the Greek and the Jews are a category of unsaved people. So the Jews are the children of Israel. You know, they were the one that were commissioned to receive the gospel and through them to, to receive the gospel first and through them or from them, the gospel spread to the other part of the world. And we saw it, you know, the guys that followed Jesus were, were Jews. And then uh, these guys took on the, uh, I was going to want to say mantle, but those are kind of terminologies I want to avoid in my Christian, in my pastoral career, because it carries a lot of weight in some sectors, right? So these guys received the mandate to preach the gospel, to take the gospel into the world. So that fulfilled what the scripture says there. So he said, when it says forced, he said, for the Jew forced, Right, so we saw that, and then also for the Greek. Now, the Greek is the rest of the world, anyone who is not saved. So, you are either, uh, but there I'll put this word Gentile. So, you are either a Jew or a Gentile. So, a Gentile is an is someone who does not belong to uh, the Jewish family or the Jewish tribe, so to say, uh, they belong to any other tribe, so to say. So this is just a kind of summary, summarizing what is there's a lot in there, but we, we are not in a theology class. We're trying to I'm trying to communicate God's heart to you guys and help you guys understand um got the gospel from this perspective I'm talking about, which is not popularly taught. So Paul here was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, but in preceding verses, he called out and he dealt with uh he talked about the people that he wanted to minister the gospel to, and they are not in the category of the people of all the tribe he called out here. So let's go to verse 13. Just uh, scroll to um, the preceding verses. So you know that um, the Bible, sorry, the, the epistles, the letters written to the church, you know, they were letter. It was one letter written to a particular church, right? And sometimes Paul say, says that this, this letter should also be read in other churches. So this was letter written to the church. So well, the reason why I've called this out is this. Verse 13 is not a different concept from verse 15 and, 16 and 17. And the reason why I'm calling this out is because some people are fond of reading verse 13. They will say this applies to something else. And verse 16, it applies to someone, something else. Imagine I'm, I'm teaching now and someone says that, you know, the first five minutes of my message, I'm referring to something in North. And um, the last day, the next, the, the, what I say at the sixth minute, the seventh minute, the eighth minute does not make any sense or does not apply to what I'm teaching. I know some preachers do teach that way, whereby they just all over the place and there's no sync in what they're saying, right? They can they see, they teach out of context. But for Apostle Paul, I would not say Apostle Paul does, he's not a good teacher, doesn't know what he was saying. So everything Paul wrote to the church, he has a message, and we need to study and listen to what Paul says in context and as one letter. 
Well, another reason why I'm saying this is because I do know people, at least one person, who don't believe in speaking with tongues. They said the book, according to the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians 13, that Paul said, tongues, speaking in tongues has been done away with. But 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you are. So I'm thinking, what Bible are they reading? So even if your pastor or your priest tells you that speaking in tongues has been done away with, should you not get your Bible and read the entire piece? And at least I know one person who will aggressively and violently reject and oppose, you know, um, speaking in tongues in church today because their pastor told them that speaking in tongues has been done away with. And I'm thinking, with all due respect, it's just common sense. Now you get your Bible and read 1 Corinthians 14, following 1 Corinthians 13. Amen. So, as pastors in this new day, uh, in this uh, 21st century, where a lot of people are not doing due diligence to un- in understanding the context of the Word of God, people like me have to call these things out to remind people from time to time that the, the letters written to the church are one letter. Amen. So, verse 13 now, Carrying on, he says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you. Now, who are the brethren? The believers. Now, if you, if you start from verse, uh, verse 1, I'm going to come back to verse 13. So this is going to be a, a bit of a Bible class here. So uh, verse 1 of uh, Romans chapter 1 says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophet in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Uh, so through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. For his name, among whom you also are the call of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 7, listen to this. It said, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, in verse 16 of Romans chapter 1, Paul was talking about the order in which um, the gospel was brought to be it was brought to us, Christ Jesus, and the order of the, I don't want to use the word tribe, the people to be reached with the gospel. One, the Jews first. Second, the Gentiles. Teaching something can be difficult. <laughs> right, so the Jews first, Gentiles. So what I'm trying to say is that in 16 and 17, Paul clearly stated that there are two categories of people there, the Jews and the Gentiles. But he also made the clear distinction of another category of people in verse 7. He said, To all who in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, so he clarified in verse 7 here that some people called saints. And the people called saints here are Christians. So in those in this chapter 1 alone, we can see the category of three people, three categories of people there. The Jews, the Gentiles, the saints. Right. So once you give your life to Christ, once you make commitment to be a child of God, you are no longer a Jew or a Greek or a Gentile. You are now a child of God. You are now a saint. And I'm talking about St. Peter's and St. something that people call themselves because they belong to the Catholic Church. Yeah. You are a saint. A saint simply means you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a child of God. Amen. Praise God. Right. 
So Paul says in verse 7 that, you know, he called out another category of people, the saints. Now let's go to verse 13, what it says about the saints. So still talking about the saints, right? Uh, verse 13, it says, Now I do, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren. So he's calling the saints his brethren. That I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Right? I am a debtor both to Greeks and, and to barbarians, uh, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now, Paul went further to also specify the barbarians and maybe some other category of people kind of thing, but all of those ones, Greek, uh, barbarian, just put them under Gentiles. As long as they are not saved, put them under what? Gentiles. So we have the Jew, we have the Gentiles who are the unsaved people, whether they belong to, uh, maybe that, whether they're from they are British citizen or the American or they are Nigerian. Anyone who is not saved, put them under the category of Gentiles. Amen. So don't get yourself confused with that, with all of that Greek or Greek, Greek, somebody's, no, no, we don't need all of that. Praise God. Now, but uh, let's focus on where we are going. Now, so Paul has specified, has kind of specified or clarified, you know, major categories of people and you are either saved or unsaved. The Bible tells us at some point that in Christ Jesus, there's no Jew or Gentile in him. Now, God was, well, Ephesians chapter 2, Lord Jesus, should we do this? I'm so conscious of time this morning, and uh, I still feel I need to do a good job. Let's go then. So, Ephesians 2, let's start from verse 19. If I'll find it there. I can't remember exactly the verse right now, but if I can, my wife can help me out. We can get there. Uh, so let me start from verse 11, if I'll find it there. Now it says, Therefore, remember that you, you once Gentiles in the flesh, this is the Ephesian church, you once Gentiles in the flesh. Now, in Ephesian church, I believe there are other cultures, other tribes there. But it's saying to people here that when you were not saved, you were a Gentile. So if you are not a Jew and you are not saved, you are what? You are a Gentile. So therefore, remember that you want Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision by what is called a circumcision in the flesh by hands. So who are the uncircumcised? The uncircumcised are the Gentiles, anyone who does not belong to the Jew Jewish family. Because the Jewish family, part of their kind of covenant with the fact with God is their circumcision of every male, male guys. Please don't get me tempted into smashing that covenant thing this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, that at that time, you were without Christ. Can you see that? So Gentiles, anybody who is uh, called a Gentile because they are unsaved, they were without Christ. Or anyone who is without Christ is a Gentile. Am I making sense? So that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Can you see that? Children of Israel are Jewish people. And Paul is also clarifying that there's a difference between the rest of the world and the Jewish um, 
Jewish country, so to say, the Jewish people. Because I know it, it, when I was reading Romans 1, because it called out the barbarians and a few things might be confusing. So I thought, let me come here and make things more clear to you guys. Right, so that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So if you were Gentiles before, now that you are now that you are in Christ Jesus, now that you're giving your life to Christ, you now belong to the family of God. Amen. Doesn't make any sense. Is that clear? Fantastic. Because of our time, let's carry on. I might be able to smash that um, further in future, but I just want to help you guys to really understand that uh, there's a Jew, there's Gentiles, and there's saints. So let's carry on. Let's go back to um, verse 15 of uh, Romans chapter 1. Now, verse 15 here, Paul says, uh, yeah, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. If you start from verse 7, like I showed us earlier on, you see that he was talking about saints in Rome. These are believers. So Paul was preaching the gospel. He wanted to preach the gospel to saints, to believers. But I thought that uh, the gospel is something that we, we, are, we are supposed to preach to people that are outside, people who are not saved. And that takes me back to what I was saying earlier on, that if we do not really understand what the gospel means and what the gospel is meant to do in our lives, we will be outward focused, looking at people around us who are not saved, and we would not be able to walk in the truth and the reality of the gospel. And because we are not looking at how the gospel can transform our life or should transform our life, we will not devote ourselves to understanding the gospel, to living the life of the gospel so that we can have a transformed life. So I'm going to be helping us a little bit this morning to look at things a bit differently so that you can understand or see much more value that is in the gospel and you can choose to want to know the gospel so that you can Become the person God has created you to be in Christ and you can deliver the result he wants you to deliver what many people popularly known as productivity or to be fruitful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right, so Paul says there, so talking about the gospel, so let's now focus on the gospel and the saved. The gospel and the saved. The gospel in our midst as believers. So let's look at um, verse 16 again now paul said i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ now paul did not say i'm not ashamed of the gospel of a denomination like when i was talking earlier on i think in my episode in my first part or episode i says that the gospel is not the doctrine of a denomination it's not the doctrine of a church one of the reasons why we have big big major issues in the body of christ today is because many churches and many ministers of the gospel are preaching their own gospel what did i say what did i say they are preaching their own gospel their own version of the gospel based on their experience on based on the way they want people to think i'm so grateful to god for the guys who went through um pain uh, some guys who actually sacrifice their lives so that you and I can have the Bible in our hands. People were burnt on a stick to have this Bible translated into English for you and I. Tindale, 
Tinder was a man who I think was working on the English translation of the Bible, and this guy was burnt on a stick on a pole. So the Bible we have in our hand that we don't take very seriously, uh, that we ignore for what other people are saying, you know, cost people their lives. And it was because I believe the reason why some people actually give their life to have this Bible, to have you to have this Bible in your hand, is because they see what you and I don't see. The power, the revelation on the inside of it. Because when I was hit with COVID, you know, I was just, I was not bothered. It was not even making sense to me. I was just going, going about doing my stuff until my body said, "Guy, yeah, you, 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 you're gonna shut down, right? Right?" I realized I need to rest. But what was running in my mind was the love, the, the word of God that says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I said, when when I was hit with COVID. I was not trying to remember what one prophet said or what one man of God said or go and get anointing oil. No, Jesus lives on the inside of me. The Bible says, greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. The power of God is resident on the inside of me. So COVID will have to wrestle with the power of God on the inside of me. And I'm the one who's going to release the power of God on the inside of me. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the gospel is not the message or the gospel of a denomination so people need to get their thinking straight to understand that the bible of the bible is contains the word of god and should be the foundation and the basis of our christian living not what one man of god or one woman of god said amen lord jesus help me this morning i feel like spending more time there but i have some stuff to share with you guys today so paul says they said for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ you know, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You know, for the Jew first and also for the for the Greek, right? And it says everyone <laughs> who believes. It says the Greek, sorry, the Jew first, and uh, what's called, and the Greek. I like. I think I repeated Gentiles there. I get it. But it said everyone, everyone. But don't forget that in verse thirteen it said. I also want to preach the gospel to you guys who are already saved, who are based in Rome. So the gospel is applicable to everybody. And when we talk about salvation there, what does that mean? So salvation is this, is um, the Greek and the Hebrew word for salvation imply deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. I'll take it again. The Greek and Hebrew word for salvation imply the following. Deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. Now, so if you look at the impl implying words of, uh, for salvation, can you see that this is not applicable to only the unsaved? Because many saved people still need healing. We still need to experience their healing. And many of us, when we give our life to Christ, we, we, we did not have two sentences I was trying to I was trying to model up there so we're not in our good state of mind the best state of mind because all manner of junk that we've received in the world are in we're in our mind and uh, coming to Christ does not mean that way of thinking will change and that's why we need the gospel to help us change the way we think and it's not going to be an automatic thing that the gospel as an entity will come and change the way you think. No. You need the gospel in your mind, in your thinking, 
like I said earlier on, you need to align your thinking with what the Word of God says about you, your identity in Christ, then you will begin to experience soundness. Someone who is given to um, abusive relationship, probably they were raised in a home where there was emotional, mental, physical abuse, maybe the parents or siblings, or people who were bullied in school. Now, on giving their life to Christ, if they had been meditating on this abuse and they were constantly experiencing this abuse before they give their life to Christ, on giving their life to Christ, they will still be struggling with flash images of those experiences. And many times, those negative experiences forms the habit, from the forms the, uh, the behavior and the identity in court of that person. Because they, they, they see themselves in need, they, they, they fit themselves into that mode of, uh, I'm not good enough if they were being abused or being molested or being, you know, wrong one way or the other. So they see themselves as they are not good enough. And some people who have been abused in ways that I don't want to describe this morning because I've got kids in the church, right? Now, the, what do you call it? Is it the perpetrator? We call them the perpetrator. Lord Jesus, help me to be nice this morning because some cultures just came to my mind. Lord Jesus, help me. Let's, we, let's, let's do this. Now, it's quite challenging for me because I've got kids in church and I need to unpack this. And I believe God wants to help someone here. Now, somebody did, somebody did harm you. They did something wrong to you, regardless of the magnitude or in whatever form, or whatever form it is. They wronged you. They abused you. And the culture around you or the congregation of dumb church, what I call it, dumb church, then hold the victim accountable for the stupidity of the perpetrator. Does that paint a picture in your mind? Right. Um, you know, I, I was speaking to one of our kids last week. It's like, people are just being stupid. I said, no, okay, be cautious. Watch how I use the word stupid so that you don't call people stupid. Uh, you, you call evil stupid. Now, so let me replay it so that you guys don't think I'm... I'm angry or I'm just mean. I repeat. So, someone was violated, abused, wronged, harmed, hurt. An innocent person. And I see this a lot in, um, in Nigerian culture where a, a, a woman's husband is a perpetrator and the evildoer and the woman victimizes the victim. You know, put the blame on the victim. So if anybody watching or listening to me or in that kind of association or group is watching me, today is your day of um, repentance. Today is your day of mercy. The Lord has forgiven of your sin and you have to come out of that unintelligent thinking. So I'll take that again so that you know that I mean what I'm saying this morning. Now, a perpetrator harms someone, usually an, inno an innocent person, and a congregation of dumb people, right, then put the blame on the innocent child most of the time who has been violated. It's one of the dumb to the dumbest of the highest dumb thing I've ever seen or had in my life. So I, I gotta call it dumb so that people who are outside, unbelievers, and some people who are inside can recognize what dumb is. Because not calling dumb stuff dumb in the church is the reason why some people think they can't they can keep doing dumb stuff.
Right. So if you once if you if you were once part of that congregation the Lord has forgiven you. Now let me sound a, a note of warning here. Now when anyone abuses anybody else, right, to a very much extent, I don't think they should go scot-free. We gotta deal with the situation. Right. And for no reason under heaven should a congregation, because there are a lot of people, there are a lot of congregation, I know what I'm talking about. Regardless of the size of the church, regardless of how popular the people are in the society, regardless of how much they are given to the community, for no reason under heaven should such acts should, should be marked, covered, swept under the carpet and allow the victims to, to go helpless. Amen. How do I get it? All right. So that's word of knowledge for someone there. Do you get it? Just all right. So let me go back to the Bible. When I miss my tra- track like that, my when, when I go off in the spirit and I come back, so I just go back to what, what I was doing. So Paul saying that I said, uh, from now ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So I get where we're coming from. We left off. So I was talking about the fact that the the gospel is not is <laughs> not the is not the is not the gospel or the message of a denomination or a congregation and um, some other kind of silly things that people believe. Now the Bible says that it is the power of God that brings salvation. So I was looking at deliver. So I was looking at the fact that there was no deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness is not only applicable to people who are outside. It applies a lot to people on the inside. Now I'm back on my track. So I was talking about you know when once we give our life to Christ, right? The way we we're thinking before we give our life to Christ is um, does not change most of the time. And when we come to Christ Jesus. Uh, we need to align our thought with the gospel. We need to believe the gospel and do, and then as we align ourselves with the gospel, the thoughts with the gospel, our actions with the gospel, we begin to experience transformation. So I was talking about, um, you know, how someone who may have been abused several for several years may begin to see themselves that way. I mean, as the victim. You know, and I try to, by the Spirit, speak to people to probably, if there's a case, if there's anyone has any kind of life case regarding what I've just talked about, you guys want to do the right stuff. I bet you guys want to do the right stuff. If you don't do the right stuff, you keep, you give an opportunity uh, for those kind of things to fester. And these things are bringing this disrepute to the, to the body of Christ, to the name of Christ. And that's why a lot of people are mocking Christianity. Christianity is not stupid religion. And Christianity is not a is not a is not a religion. Permit me to you borrow the word religion. It's not a religion or a faith of stupid people. We are not stupid people. We are very intelligent. We have common sense, and we know what we are doing, right? So if you have come across a bunch of Christians who are not doing the right stuff and they are laughing about it, then they are not true Christians, right? So if you are watching me or listening to me for the first time and you've not heard this kind of stuff, yeah, I'm telling the truth. Christianity is not a fate of stupid people. We are intelligent. We are intelligent people. We are sound. We know what we're doing. We know the right thing to do and we do the right thing. Amen. So if you see some bad examples of Christianity, uh, don't allow that to put you off to say, you know what, this is who Christians are. No, that's not my identity. Right? It's just, it's just the same thing applies to other things in the world today. Right? Um, I'll give an example. Even though this is kind of like um, more specific to um, maybe uh, race. So I'll give you know just to make it more applicable to what we've been through in recent times in, the, in, the, in our different societies, particularly in the West. So uh, people will say because British people were 
British people took some people into slavery uh, many years ago. So all British people are racist. So I'm sure a British person will not like that. An English man will not like that. An English woman will not like to be branded a slave owner, a slave master, right? I mean, the the reasonable and the well-thinking English person will not like to be branded that way. So, and you, and I'm sure some English people will, will feel like, you know, why would you think such of me? You know, I wasn't the one who did that. Why, why, why are we? Why are you, why are you giving us bad names? I believe many people will think that way, right? And so if now, if you're an English person watching me or listening to me and you're not saved, right? And you're put up by Christianity, what you see, and you keep calling Christians all manner of names. Now, just the way you don't want to be, you don't want to be given a bad name because some English people back in the days were not, did not do the right thing. Or some English people around you right now are very, very racist, right? Uh, just the same way you should not brand all Christians to be the same because you've seen an example of some bad ones or the ones that are not good example. Right, um, black people. I'm talking to you too as well. Amen. So interpret it uh, the way you 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 want to you want to interpret it. Uh, but what I'm trying to say that we should not stereotype people. So trying to close up on this issue of a uh, mind. Um, anyone who have been abused, you know, wrongfully treated, maltreated before they give their life to Christ, will most likely see themselves that way even after they've given their life to Christ. Right, and uh, that does not invalidate their salvation or their their saved status. So what it means is this: they need to then learn the gospel, align their emotions, their thinking, their way of life with the gospel, and they'll begin to experience transformation. Amen. I feel I should pause there because we are kind of nearly out of time. So let me go through the list, and then we we. Uh, we take it off. We will take it off from here next week. So deliverance, right? And uh, next week I will unpack much more. You know, just uh, reference to the things we've talked about previously. So deliverance from spiritual death, separation from God, separation from God. Uh, same thing. Spiritual death, same thing as um, separation from God. Uh, deliverance from sin, um, safety. You know, preservation, healing, soundness. All of these. Are, um, are the things that the salvation implies. And, um, you know, when you see salvation, think about the gospel. When you think about the gospel, think salvation. Amen. So Paul said, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation, which means it is, it is the, go the gospel is the power, the channel, the vessel or the channel through which God channels his power into the life of people to produce deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. I repeat, the gospel is the channel through which God is able to channel his power to deliver people from destruction, to heal them, to save them, to give them soundness of mind. So it is not the preaching of the law. It is not psychological messages. It is not sentimental messages that will save people. Anyone who is trying to cook up something to make people feel good is doing the audience a disservice because you are denying them of the power to, you are denying them the privilege to experience the power of God. So when some people want to go out into the world and preach hell to people, 
all in the name of they are preaching the gospel they are they are doing harm to people because they are and they are also working against god how because they are hindering god from being able to release his power to save the people like i will always say why don't you do it the way god asks you to do it and allow god to do his own part preach the gospel the goodness and the kindness of god i covered more of it last week Preach the gospel about the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ Jesus. What his death did in accomplishing our life. What his resurrection accomplished in our life. And how he applies to us today. And how to appropriate it in our lives. Why don't you preach that to people and learn how to make it more relevant to the everyday life. And allow God to minister to the heart of the people. In hear your business, in hear my business to win souls. We don't win souls. We, come, we minister the gospel and God reaches out to the souls reaches out to the people so if we don't preach the gospel we block god from saving people you might be so passionate we might be so passionate to want the world saved what i would say is this we cannot be more passionate than god in saving people i repeat we can we may be very very passionate to win souls to christ but we can never be more passionate than God. We cannot love people more than God loved the world that he died for us in the person of Christ Jesus. So we should do what God asks us to do the way he's asking us to do it. And not manipulate people or try to manipulate people into salvation. Because it has a long-term effect in their relationship with the Father. If at all they even give their life to Christ. Amen. A uh, few, three things I'm just going to call out here and we will continue to unpack this next week. You know, there are three tenses that surround uh, salvation. One, we are saved. Secondly, we have been saved. And thirdly, we will be saved. Thank you guys. Right. Uh, next week, I'm going to unpack that. So on that reason why you should be in church next week, you don't want to miss church next week. I'm going to, um, I'm going to do justice to those um, tenses about salvation. So I hope this is making sense to you guys, spiritual and biblical sense. As to the reason why I said, you know, um, this perspective or this dimension of the gospel is not something that is not popularly taught. And, and I believe many of us are not uh, really working the reality of the power of the gospel in our Christian lives. Amen.